0: Riley Nelson, BYU football analyst, joining DJ and PK right now on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Riley, good morning. Morning, fellas. Riley, you approach the game with a quarterback's brain, even though now you're up in the booth, not getting hit out on the field. And so I'm curious, because I'm sure you've gone back and watched some stuff, what did you see watching tape that you didn't see watching the game, and you think, well, if they'd have fixed that, it would have made a huge difference.
1: Yeah, great question. Um, the one thing that I didn't realize as much because it was overshadowed by the mistakes, and I think uh, the fan in me is a little bit uh, same, you know, is guilty just as much as the general fan base and that you, I. I I put too much emphasis on how much the – don't get me wrong, the pick six has definitely affected the game. But what that overshadowed for me was how hard Utah's defense really made life on BYU. So one thing I I didn't – while I was watching one-on-one matchups and I was able to recognize that Utah was playing pretty much man coverage – from about the middle of the second quarter through the through the end of the game was there was very little separation, if any, from any of the wide receivers on BYU. And then the, the other question begs, you know, why why did they not establish a run game? And, and the reason for that was the front seven for Utah, and this is no surprise to anybody, But it wasn't like they were playing in BYU's backfield, right? BYU's offensive line did a good enough job to keep them at bay, but they were playing such disciplined, well-executed football to make the run game so incredibly hard on BYU that they couldn't establish. And so, while it wasn't super flashy, and and the pick sixes, you know, one was a tip ball, the other one was kind of a you a BYU fan would classify it as a fluke as Zach Wilson, you know, gets shoestring tackled as he's releasing the ball. Um, but that overshadows truly how hard Utah's defense made life on BYU. So Tom
2: Brady at 42 will throw interceptions, right? So they're going to happen from time to time. You just hope to minimize them or you hope that uh, you know it's on a bomb and the player goes down. Certainly the worst case scenario is the pick sixes. With Zach Wilson just entering his sophomore year and starting his seventh or eighth game, whatever it might be, how long does it really take – before you have a full grasp of what you're trying to do knowing even as i say at that point you're still going to throw a pick or two
1: yeah i'd probably say and it's different for every player but i'd say somewhere between 10 and 15 starts it depends a little bit on on the uh on the you know the coaches and the, and the way their style of coaching some coaches really drill into your mind like those uh, you know the very specifics, the progression of the read, timing it up with your feet, and and have a lot of set of rules. Others, and and I get the feeling from from just a little bit of being around practice and being in the game. Coach Roderick is more kind of letting them play. He doesn't want he doesn't want them to be robotic. Wants them to be out there um, playing instinctive and athletic. And that that's not a bad thing. It's just that you may uh, erase some of the mistakes a little bit more. But uh, the the thing that you hope, and and what I hope for for Zach Wilson, in this offense that that second interception was one where um, obviously you know they they had gone down. It was a big drive. It was everybody in the stadium felt like okay, BYU needs to answer. BYU needs to not only they need points at a, at a bare minimum, but they really need to put the ball in the end zone if they're going to make a game out of this thing. And Zach was really really pressing in that moment. He, as you look back at that second interception, um, he threw it to the short side of the field where Utah was playing a combo coverage and really the receiver was kind of had three defenders within 10 yards of him When up top they were playing they had an isolation man on man. Now maybe he didn't love the matchup and, and I you know and there, maybe that wasn't coach, maybe they had something else drawn up. But as you look at it, that was one where maybe he felt the pressure and, and forced and tried to win the ball, win the game on one throw, and those are the mistakes that I think can be eliminated from game to game. He's far enough into his progression um, and has enough starts under his belt that mistakes like those I hope to not see again.
0: So when you talk, Riley Nelson joining us, a BYU football radio analyst. When you talk about BYU's inability to run the ball, Tyson Williams just did have seven carries for 45 yards. Now, maybe they didn't get him to ball that much late in the game and build on those numbers because they only had 15 snaps or something like that in the second half. Do you think he's 20 carries for 100 yards against Tennessee? Because Tennessee gave up 213 yards rushing to Georgia State. It seems like the game plan going forward ought to be make sure they run Williams.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with you, DJ. And also, if you look at the success in their best games last year, they were able to establish the run. Uh, You look at the upset that they pulled in Camp Randall last year against Wisconsin. You look at some of their better games down the stretch. And they were a heavy – they were probably 60-40, if not two-thirds, one-third run-pass ratio. And so not only um, did Georgia State expose a vulnerability in Tennessee's defense, but uh, that's also when BYU, uh, at least under Coach Grimes, is playing their best football is when they're running the ball and they're running the ball both for volume and effectiveness. And so that's something I hope to see. Now, watching that Tennessee-Georgia State game, uh, you talking about the rush game. It's not all on the tailback. That uh, that quarterback for Georgia State did a good job of minimizing um, minimizing errors or minimizing risk. By using his legs to go and get first downs, I'm not saying Zach's got to turn into, you know, a, a runner or or expose himself to extra punishment, but he's got to be really smart and judicious in in pulling it down, using his legs to go, which he did a couple times against Utah. But uh, I hope he would he would continue and and maybe expand on that a little bit more against Tennessee, seeing how effective Georgia State's quarterback was in contributing to that 200 plus um, team rushing number.
2: So, given the fact that Tennessee went 5-7 and seven last year, I think they were 2-6 and six in conference. The year before, they were 0-8 in conference. And they're obviously not the Tennessee that we've known that won six national titles and all that stuff. And then they lose to Georgia State. Is it too dramatic to say this is a must-win for BYU?
1: Um, I don't think it's too dramatic. Well, I guess that would depend on... On uh, what you what you think or hope BYU to accomplish? I, I think most fans are still, you know, we're only one week into the season, and uh, for for them to accomplish goals of improving on last year's record, so that was seven wins, and, yeah. and so in the hopes to get eight or nine wins, I think this is a must win. And then also from the standpoint, I mean, if uh, from the standpoint of just maintaining your fan base and keeping the interest level high. And keeping you know a full stadium throughout the rest of the home game slate, uh, I think yeah it is a must win from that standpoint. But it, it, from if I were a player or a coach, I don't think this is a must win. This is this is a must improve. I mean you have to come out and you can't. We you know the interceptions are some of the more visible mistakes, but there was a a plethora of mistakes made on defense, guys not being disciplined and maintaining contain, letting the runner bounce outside, guys not making their fit, the guys kind of playing hero ball, thinking that they can, you know, shoot in a gap to try and make a play in the backfield and realizing that Utah was just, you know, leisurely running the other way and that their, you know, their big risk was that they came up extremely empty-handed. So from a program player standpoint, this is one where you have to definitely take a step forward. Um, if you you have to be competitive, this has to be a game that in the fourth quarter rather than your opponent running down the last nine minutes and 19 seconds doing nothing but running power and isolation plays, uh, that can't happen again. This has to be one where you're playing all four quarters, you're in it all four quarters. If the ball doesn't bounce your way, it's not, the sky is not falling, um, but you do have to show some signs of improvement if, if you're going to make anything of this season.
0: So are they going to have a great matchup at tight end game after game? Because you were talking earlier about how good BYU's defense is, and it looked like that was something – or excuse me, you were talking about how good Utah's defense was, and it looked like BYU could throw to the tight end. uh, I don't know if any time they needed to. That might be an overstatement, but they could throw there most of the time.
1: Yeah, it it definitely was in one-on-one coverage uh, for sure. If you you notice – late in the second half for probably the last two offensive drives in the second half and then all through the third quarter Utah um was they were running a lot of man blitz blitzing that extra guy or man spy uh Wilson but they took that extra defender rather than blitzing him or spying the quarterback and they bracketed Bushman they did that in the second half so and and that's why he didn't catch any balls. You know, That's why he kind of disappeared after uh, initial good performance. But, yeah, he does. I mean, th- that catch early on the back shoulder, he had a distinct size advantage and obviously made it look pretty easy. He's a good route runner in zone. Um, I-, I think they can have it most any time they want, assuming that he's not being doubled like Utah did to him in the-, in the second half of the game, which I fully expect from here on out because if you're a defense watching that team, no one really – you don't see really anybody that can hurt you uh, except for Bushman. And so it's worth, you know, assigning two defenders to limit his production.
2: From a starting quarterback standpoint, what do you think of bringing in somebody to take a couple snaps here and there in a wildcat or whatever it might be like they did with Jaren Hall?
1: Yeah, we did – my senior year we did that with Taysom Hill. Um, obviously you know some people are somewhat surprised at that dude's athletic ability but the second he walked off the plane and came down to BYU we saw that like this guy was a freak and and so we did that I selfishly (laughs) PK uh, he probably there was probably three or four red zone touchdowns that uh, I probably could have thrown they could have padded (laughs) my numbers a little bit so selfishly I was I'm against it from that standpoint but from a production standpoint you need to, in my opinion, you need to make sure the guy that's substituting is, is that kind of a guy. In other words, he's a guy that can come in cold off the bench, but he's, he's uh, a calculated killer. Like The moment doesn't get to him. Um, And he's going to go in there and execute and be special, even if it is one play every quarter or one or two plays throughout the course of a game. What you can't do is just – you can't get caught up in the scheme of it. The reasons why coaches love throwing a guy in like that is because, all right, even though we may only run five or six plays – with this guy the defense is going to have to spend a disproportionate amount of time preparing for this package so it's not so much that the package will be super effective but rather it's sucking up time and it's one more thing that the defense has to spend practice time on you can't get caught up on on that ideology you in my opinion the you have to be locked in that that guy that you're subbing in is going to come in and make a difference uh, and be sure much like like i said i mentioned Taysom hill i before he got hurt and he only played the first five games of that season, but I think he had four or five touchdowns, two passing and two rushing. So he was extremely effective in that pack, in that package. And as a starting quarterback, ultimately I'm about winning the football game. So if a guy's producing like Taysom did for us back in 2012, I don't I don't have a problem with it. But if you're just doing it to try and confuse the defense or cause them to burn a timeout, but the overall package has the potential to be a liability for you, then I think you've got to scratch it and keep your guys in there.
0: You know, we can talk X's and O's and matchups and all that stuff all day, but how much do you think the team's going to be capable of shaking off a loss to Utah, because it's something they pointed to for a long time, and being 100% focused on Tennessee? Or do you think there's a hangover?
1: DJ, that is what I was talking with some coworkers yesterday. To me, the keys to this game have nothing to do with the athletes. It has nothing to do with size, matchups, you know, recruiting stars or anything like that. It's all about who's going to respond better mentally because both these programs are in similar places. You could argue who's feeling, you know, who's feeling worse about themselves. But the reality is the team that is going to lose on Saturday is going to be the team that has self-pity is going to be the team that, uh, you know, is, is feeling sorry for themselves. Is going to be the team that starts fighting, blaming the offense for this, blaming the defense for that, losing trust in their teammates. It's too early in the season for all of that, but no, even the best programs aren't immune to it. When you're either BYU taking your ninth straight loss to your rival, or you're Tennessee, who pretty much everybody's jumped off their bandwagon, and you lost to Georgia State, your first non non Power Five home loss in however many years. So it's all going. This is going to all be about who can respond mentally, whose upperclassmen leadership steps up, what coaching staff rallies to make sure that their guys. They maybe close the gaps of in preparation that they had before, and, and and make sure that their guys meet a higher standard for this week and and come out swinging. That to me, what this whole game comes down to, and in a way, that's why I'm extremely excited because I love that as- aspect of the game. It was an aspect of the game I always felt like I had a clear advantage was in my my mindset and my mental preparation and i think it can it can make much more of you as a player if if that part of your game is right if your mind and mentality is right you can be you know a, a far greater player than your physical um capabilities would lend you to be
2: The BYU can clearly schedule seven, eight wins if they wanted to and with their independent schedule, much like they had back in the old days where they're in the WAC and then later in the Mountain West, and they play two or three big-name programs and see what you do there. Now, obviously, it's flipped a little bit, and they're playing six, seven, eight big-name programs and maybe only two or three guaranteed wins. And I'm wondering you as a player – what, not as a fan, but as a player, what would you prefer as far as a schedule being an independent?
1: Yeah, I would prefer to play the logos. I mean, my my senior year, we played against Notre Dame, who was at their place and ended up, they were number two, ended up losing to Alabama the national championship. Oregon State, who that year, <laughs> that was before they fell off a cliff. I, I think they were ranked like 10th or 12th, came into our house. You know, so lost another game by field goal, lose Oregon State by a touchdown. Um, who we'll go up and play Boise, who was the 16th ranked team uh, in the country, and lose by a lose by one point, going for a two point conversion. And uh, I, my point, my as a player, my philosophy was I'd rather step in the ring with like a Muhammad Ali, and perhaps you know, and, and maybe get beat up, but at least I was in the ring and competed and, and I tried myself against the best. Um, so that that's my philosophy as a player. My philosophy now is kind of a fan and someone who wants the best for the program is actually opposite of that. I think fans need wins no matter where they come from and it's probably a better scenario if you're, let's say BYU you know, schedules those let's say they go 11 and 2 but the strength of schedule is really weak and so you know i think 11 and 2 you're sneaking into the top 25 regardless it's a much better it's much better to have fans complain about the fact that oh we're only ranked 21st if we had a little bit better of a schedule we could get down into the teams as opposed to man we just keep you know 6 and 6 is really boring and i don't want to go see the team anymore so there there, there you go
0: Riley, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Enjoy the trip to Tennessee, and we will talk to you again next week.
1: Thanks, fellas. Talk to you next week.